You are listening to the Journey Christian Church Podcast. For more information and resources, visit us online at journeycc.net. Today's message is brought to you by Scott McFarland. We hope you enjoy. Hey, Happy New Year! Woo, that's a little loud. I woke you up there. It still feels loud. Calm down, Scott. Calm down. Great to celebrate with you. I hope you had a great holiday season. We're going to start off a new series called Crossroads today, and that's going to go through the book of Luke. So I'm going to pick it up starting in Luke chapter 4. You can pull out your Bibles and turn there with me or your devices. I want you to be in the scripture with me through this series so that you can absorb all that Luke wants to teach us about Jesus. A little background on Luke. He was a doctor as well as, in a sense, a journalist. So that made him a scientist and a skeptic at the same time. And he found out about Jesus by hearing all of the stories and documenting and gathering all this detail and then coming up with this gospel called Luke that we read. If you are a doubter, if you have doubts about Jesus, if you don't know his identity, if you wonder about some of the stories, if you're curious how that all fits in today's world, Luke is the gospel to study. And we're going to go through that over the next several months as we get ready for Easter. So you can follow along with me, check out the series page, and look at other things we're offering to go along with this study in Luke. Luke chapter 4 today, I wanted to start with a true story. True story, back in 2007, Ben Carpenter, who has muscular dystrophy, is strapped into a wheelchair to move around during the days. He was in his wheelchair going downtown, going down to an intersection where he was going to cross over this crossroad, this intersection to the other side. He gets to the intersection, hits the button, he's waiting on the light to cross over. As the light changes, a big, huge semi-truck pulls up to the crossroads. And and Ben starts to go across the crosswalk area. The truck driver does not see him. The light changes and turns green before he gets across. And unbeknownst to the truck driver, The truck driver starts to hit the gas and move through the intersection, and Ben's wheelchair is smack in front of the grill. Now, only God could have done this. Somehow the wheelchair turned around so that it faced forward in front of the semi, and then the handles lodged into the grill of the semi-truck. And the semi-truck takes off, getting up to a speed of 50 miles an hour. How many of you would volunteer for that experience right there? I'm curious. On down the road he goes. People are yelling and screaming, flagging him down. People calling 911. Two off-duty police officers see what's going on. They run to their car to try to catch up with the truck. The truck's taking off down the road 50 miles per hour. The rubber on the wheels is already burned off of the wheels. Somehow, Thank God, actually, he had muscular dystrophy. It required him to be seatbelted into the wheelchair. That's what saved his life in the wheelchair at the time. And off he goes down the road for a couple miles. Semi-truck driver pulls into a parking lot where he was going to drop off some of the goods in his truck. And lo and behold, there's Ben Carpenter in the front of the vehicle. Alive, healthy, saved. Interesting things happen at crossroads, don't they? Today I want to talk to you about the first crossroad in Jesus' life in Luke chapter 4. Now just to catch you up, this is you're going to see through the book of Luke. Here's what happens in Luke. Luke discovers that everybody that intersected with Jesus had this major experience. 
life-changing. Things happened at crossroads that could only be explained by God and Jesus' work in their life. And that's what you're going to see today as Jesus deals with Satan first. Now Luke chapter 1 and 2, we covered at Christmas time. That was the story of the birth of Jesus, the boyhood of Jesus. Luke chapter 3 is John the Baptist and the baptism of Jesus. We're going to cover that as another part of a study later on in Luke. Luke chapter 4, he starts off his ministry by taking on the world and overcoming temptation. And that's the passage I want to talk about today. Because I think most of us, when we write goals for the new year, we're good at adding things we want to do to the new year. I want to start doing this. I want to go here. I want to get my weight under control. I want to start exercising more. I want to start this. I want to start that. We're great at adding to our list. But sometimes the best change we can make in a new year to make it a better year is to take something off our list. To stop doing something. And I think this message is perfect for us as we come out of a pandemic couple of years and start into a new year is to stop doing some things in our life that have attached itself to us over the last couple of years. Jesus is going to address three categories of temptation here and I want you to see how he addresses them because just as he overcame the world in these temptations, he wants you through his power, to overcome the world in your life too. Here's the first, here's the first one in the beginning of chapter 4. Dealing with our needs. Here's how it starts. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan, the river, and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them he was hungry. Now just pause right there just for a second before I go on. This is the time everybody starts their diet and exercise program. If you're thinking about starting a new routine and you're eating or exercise habits, just say amen real quick. Okay, half of you are starting, the other half of you are lying because you're, you're going to eat something different on the way home. Here's, here's what, just many people do this thing called fasting. I felt like I needed to say a word about that. Fasting is not a good weight loss program. Just telling you right now. It's great at taking the weight off, but it adds right back later because that's not the way God designed fasting. Fasting is a spiritual program, not a physical one. You can learn to eat healthy using fasting as part of the process. But that's not the purpose. The purpose is exactly what you're seeing in the text right here. Jesus goes off for 40 days. He starts to fast, go without food. After about three days, your stomach shuts down. You can go a long time without eating. But the moment your stomach activates, it's telling you that your body is now chewing up muscle instead of fat, and you need to eat. And at the end of 40 days, his body is telling him, you got to eat, Jesus. You got to need. And that's when Satan showed up. Look what it says. The devil said to him, if you are the son of God, if that's who you really are, if you really are that power, if you have the ability Tell these stones to become bread. You got a need, Jesus. You need some food, Jesus. Your body's telling you, pay attention, Jesus. You got to take care of your body. You got needs. You better take care of your needs. Now, all of us have needs. Come on. We all need to eat. Come on. 
We all need to sleep. Some of you on New Year's weekend, you look like you're deprived of some sleep. We all need heat. We all need shelter. We all need loved. There's lots of needs in our life. That makes us human. Those are normal. Those are natural. Those are everyday. Those are expected. You are allowed to have needs. That's appropriate. But what Satan is doing here is really ironic. He's trying to make the need more important than the spiritual needs that God gave us. He's trying to elevate the carnal in Jesus' life instead of celebrating and letting him enjoy the spiritual. See, realize what's happening here. It says Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, he's filled with divinity at this moment. Full power of God is in his life from what he's doing and what he's preparing to do in ministry. He's about ready to start on a three-year embarkment of taking disciples alongside of him, training them up so he can launch a movement that would change the world and save mankind. And he is filled with the Holy Spirit. He's got the fullness of God in him. And you know what Satan comes along and says? Satan says, hey, your needs are more important than your position with God. The carnal <laughs> is more important than the spiritual. Now, come on. Why do we eat fast food? It tastes good. It's convenient. The carnal at the moment is more important than taking the time to eat healthy. Why do we go into debt? Because the carnal of what I want right now is more important to me than waiting until it, I have the money. Why do we, I won't even go there. I'll save it for later. Listen, you got the idea. When you have needs, you need to answer the need, but you need to do it in a way that honors the Lord. And that's what Jesus responds with. You want to meet a need in your life? Here's what you need to remember. This would be a great motto, a commitment for 2022. God is my provider. God is my provider. If I have a need, He will provide for it. I'm not the provider. God is. Look what He says. Jesus turns to Him and says, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone. And Matthew, who probably got this directly from Jesus, got a little bit more of the phrase. It's in Matthew. Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. God knows your needs better than you. He knows how to satisfy them better than you. You need to let him be the provider for your needs instead of you coming up with your own plan. Many of us in this first couple days of the new year need to set a goal to let God provide for me this year instead of me trying to do it on my own. That speaks to every person who's trying to manufacture a relationship with somebody they shouldn't be with. That speaks to every person who's trying to figure out a way to crunch the numbers so they can get as much as they want out of the money for themselves instead of doing what God wants them to do with the money. That speaks for all of us who have needs in our life and are answering them in the wrong way. God is my provider. I will not meet a valid need in an invalid way. Yeah, I was, uh, 
thinking about that, and I read this story about the Grand Canyon National Park Rangers. Apparently every year for many years now, almost every year, Grand Canyon Rangers have to go out at the end of, of uh, uh, hunting season and kill deer in the park. They have to physically go out and shoot them, not because of overpopulation, not because of disease, not because of problems with the deer, not because uh, people have done things to hurt them. Here's why they have to kill these deer in the park. Because along the way during that year, these deer have become addicted to the human food that is left behind by campers to the point that they can no longer naturally eat the produce of the fields around them. They have to eat junk food to survive. And because humans are no longer there during the winter months, here these deer suffer from eating the wrong things all year. And the only way to be humane to them is to put them down so they don't suffer anymore. Can I just be really blunt and honest with all of us? You want to make a good goal for 2022? Maybe it's time to change a habit to quit eating the junk of this world and start letting your needs be met by the Holy God. On, in your program are these sheets of paper. If you're watching at home, you can grab a piece of paper and do this with us. They're dissolvable paper. We're going to use them at the end of the service. I'll explain all that in a minute. But on there, you can write things that you want to let go of this year. Changes you want to make. Sins you want to quit committing. Junk stuff in your life that you need to let go of. It'd be a great way to start your year, and you'll see how in a minute. As we tell God he is our provider <laughs> instead of us. Satan's not done, and Jesus is not done with him. He's going to deal with another category, dealing with desires. So the devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And the devil said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor. It has been given to me and I can give it to anyone I want. By the way, all of that's a lie. Half truth. He is not the owner of the world. He does not have full power over you. He does not have the ability to give anything away that God hasn't, has charge of. He just sounds like he does. And here's his condition. If you worship me, it'll all be yours. By the way, sidebar, just for those of you that like to study scripture or go through the Bible regularly, just a little sidebar for all of you. This temptation here is in a different order than in Matthew. I did a little study on that and found out why. This temptation and the third temptation are switched in Matthew Probably because Matthew got verbatim word of mouth from Jesus and Luke, the doctor, had to go investigate this decades later. So he's going by the stories of people around. Matthew actually wrote down probably what Jesus told him happened. Either way, it doesn't impact the interpretation because they're both there. And what that tells me is even the scriptures from different points of view prove that Jesus had the same truth in both cases. I love that about the Bible. It always proves true no matter who is talking about it. Enough of that sidebar. Look at this temptation. <laughs> Jesus has a desire. He, he has a legitimate desire here. He came to save the world. 
Satan's offering him the world if he'll just do one little shortcut. Just, just bow down to me just this one time. I'll give you everything that you came for. I'll satisfy your desire. You don't have to go to the cross. You don't have to do any of this other plan for you and God and got lined up. I, just take the shortcut, Jesus, and I'll give it to you. I have the power to do that. Huh. Shortcuts. You know what temptation is? It's a shortcut to an instant result that you'll pay for in the long haul. Think about it. Temptation. Shortcut to an immediate result. It's going to have long-term consequences. Let's just be blunt here. Shortcut to an immediate result has long-term consequences. Living in immorality. Shortcut to an immediate result. Long-term consequences. Going into big debt. Shortcut to an immediate result. Long-term consequences. Come on. We're all guilty of this. You know why we're all guilty of this? Just speaking to Americans right here. I know we got people in the Philippines and other places watching. Speak to Americans for a minute. Because you don't have needs. You've got desires. Every need is met. I mean, let's face it. You've got food in the pantry. You've got money in your wallet or purse. You've got homes to go home to. You've got heat and warmth. You've got family or friends around. You've got your needs met. So you don't have the temptation for need as much as you do for desire. We all have desires. It's natural. It's normal. Humans have desires. In fact, Psalm says God builds those into us to direct our lives towards certain paths. But you can't pursue a desire your way and expect the blessing of God in it. You pursue God's, your desires in God's way, he will give you himself and your desire. You pursue desires in your way, you will get neither. Because the desire will escape you and you'll lose God in the process. You have desires, that's, that's acceptable. You just can't pursue them the wrong way. I was reading, I was listening to a Christian comedian. I don't know where this bit came from. It was a long time ago. This comedian said uh, when he grew up, he went to church all the time and he learned the verses in the scripture that say, where Jesus and others say that if you pray to God in his will, that he'll give you what you pray for. He said, wow, what a deal. <laughs> Little kid starts praying to God. God, I want a new bike. God, give me a new bike. I want a new bike. You said that you were, that if I pray, you'll give it to me. Give me a new bike. He found out a few months later, it doesn't quite work that way. That's not how God works. So he said, the next day I went out and stole somebody else's bike and then asked God for forgiveness. <laughs> Come on. It's a little funny. Unfortunately, it's a little true. We've all done things where we knew it was wrong at the time and we still just expected God to forgive us and bless us anyways. Why? Because we have a desire that we don't want to wait on God to fix it. Look at how Jesus answers this temptation. And listen, of all the scripture that we're reading today, of these 12, 13 verses, this one I hope you hold on to. It could be the motto verse for you for this year, and it will change the way you handle temptations in your life. 
Here's what Jesus says to him about the whole issue of dealing with desires. He says this, It is also written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Why don't you read it with me? It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. How in the world does that help my desires? Well, here's how. Listen carefully. Here's how it helps your desires. If I have a desire that's got my attention, whatever your desires are, they have your attention. That's why they're desires. They have something towards your heart. When I put my energy into satisfying the desires my way, I'm turning away from God. How in the world can I get God's way of satisfying the desire if I'm turning away from him? But get this. When I turn towards God, the desire no longer has power over me. So now I'm focused on what God wants to do in my life. The agenda changes. And then when I turn towards desires, God's going to satisfy the desire with me instead of me turning away from him to get it myself. Do you know what the outcome of this pandemic has been the last two years? We have turned away from God to pursue our own desire. And you can fill in the blank what that is. You can fill it in. I don't care where you stand on any of it. The bulk of the world has been focused on satisfying their own desire instead of turning to worship God. Jesus tells Satan, God is my permitter. God is the one that sets the permission for me. I will not pursue a desire in a way that violates his will for me. God is my provider. God is my permitter. Some of us in this room need to make some changes this year. Quit assuming that God's going to bless you when you're outside the will of God in the way you're pursuing your own desires. What could happen if you actually did surrender your life to him so that he could satisfy the desires of your heart? What could happen if you made your life right with him so that he could lead your way towards those desires. Well, Jesus has one more category. We've been dealing with needs and dealing with desires. Now we have the last one. Dealing with pressures. And look what happens here. The devil led him to Jerusalem and had Jesus stand on the highest point of the temple. And then he says, if you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. Right out of Psalms. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Satan is so cunning and so crafty. He uses scripture against Jesus to make Jesus do what Satan wants him to do. Boy, we've seen that happen before. Satan is after all of us just to get us off base just a little bit. That's all he needs to do with Jesus. That's all he needs to do with you and I. 
He is attacking us all the time to try and just steer us a little off so that we focus on our own needs or our own desires or the pressures on us so that we can do what we want to do instead of what God does. And here's where it gets really, really tricky. When Satan allows, tries to use you to tell God what to do, <laughs> to manipulate God into doing what we want by doing something to make him do it. That's what's happening here. Satan's trying to get Jesus to manipulate God into accomplishing the plan the way Jesus wants it to be instead of the way his father told him to be. And he used scripture to do it. I gave this over the years several times. This is not in your notes, but I felt led to give it to you again. The six ways Satan is after you and I. Six ways, you can write this down if you like, or pull up the video later on YouTube on our channel. Six ways G Satan tries to bring you down. Physically, he tries to kill you. Not just murder your body, but do things in your life to kill the body that God gave you. Like bad food for a good body. Like wrong addictions that hurt your body. All of the things that you do that attack and hurt your body are inspired by Satan to kill you. Emotionally, Satan wants to destroy you. He's not interested in building you up. He just wants to keep tearing you down. You think Facebook and social media is hard on tearing people down? Watch how Satan uses your neighbor, your friend, your spouse, your kids, all the people around you to spur you a little bit here and there, break you down, tear you down, emotionally destroy you. That is him at work, not the people that you blame. Third thing he tries to do is morally seduce you. I don't even need to say much on that, do I? We live in a culture that is totally seduced by the lies of Satan, believing them to be true because he's seduced our minds into not listening to what God has told us is right. Intellectually, he tries to deceive you. That goes way back to Genesis. Deceiving Adam and Eve. And he'll use whatever he can to throw things at you and materials at you and facts at you and information at you to deceive your minds into not listening to the basic truth of God. Like, I should worship God instead of pursuing my desires. What a concept. Intellectually, he tries to deceive you. Socially, get this one. He tries to separate you. We've been living that out for a couple years, haven't we? Not just being separated by a pandemic and doing what's socially wise at times. I'm talking about separated from the people who can build you up in faith. Separated from the Spirit of God in worship. Separated from the things that God wants to do to give you wisdom and instruction in the Word of, that He gives. We've seen so much be separated in the midst of a culture and a time when we're more connected than ever. Who's doing that? That's not the world. That's not him. That's him. And then finally, spiritually, he's out to defeat you. Again, physically kill, emotionally destroy, morally seduce, intellectually deceive, socially separate, spiritually defeat. And here's why I tell you that list. He's after you. If he was after Jesus... He's after you too. And there's nothing to be afraid of there. 
And Jesus knows this. Because just as God is our provider, and just as God is our permitter, God is also our protector. Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. You have a protector surrounding you. And that's why this scene, this temptation is so crazy and weird. He takes Jesus to the top of the temple, to this place on the temple where worship is happening under the ground below him. Sacrifices are being made to God the Father. They're, they're offering worship and praise to him. The whole place, you talk about one place on earth where there's worship given to Yahweh, it should be the temple in Jerusalem. Takes him to that spot and says, all you have to do is prove your identity, Jesus. Just prove who you are. Show people you're the Lord of God, of the Son of God. Show them, tell them. Make them see it, and then this will all be over. You know, we've been listening to that lie for a long time. You need to be who you are. You need to show people who you are. You need to be yourself. No. You need to be who God designed you to be. You need to be the person he wants you to be. Not who everybody else tells you to be. Jesus has an answer for that one. God is my protector. Do not put the Lord, the God, your God, to the test. I won't manipulate God to get my agenda out of him. I'll do what he wants so that he can accomplish his agenda in me. I have a lot of goals for next year, for this year. The one I listed at the top of the page came off of that verse. God, I'm tired of coming up with my own list of goals. I'm tired of trying to predict the future. I can't do it. If nothing else, the last two years has proved me I don't have a clue what's going to happen in the future. But I do know this. You do. And I just want to be a part of whatever you're going to do in the next month and three months and year. So tell me your agenda, and I'll do it. That's a good goal. Don't you think? If you feel pressured to do things for everybody else, can we hit the pause button on that for just a minute? And let's ask God what he wants you to do. Where he wants you to be how he wants you to live. He's your provider. He's your permitter. He's your protector. Let's live a year like that and see what happens at the end. I think those three are so important, I want you to breathe them into your spirit. So let's try repeating them just for once. God is my provider God is my permitter. God is my protector. Try it again. God is my provider. God is my permitter. God is my protector. You know what's so crazy about this story? And most of us don't even talk about it. 
all the things that Jesus was tempted by from Satan eventually happened. He ate food the next verse. His food need was satisfied. He was worshipped by believers around the world and still is today. And now he sits in heaven at the pinnacle of the throne of God. And he is Lord. Praise the Lord. And if you and I are patient and trusting, he will do the same in your life too. In October of 2019, Bert Hurt a citizen of Victoria, British Columbia, boarded his 40-foot sailboat there with a goal in mind. He wanted to be the first person in modern history to use old-style navigational tools like the stars and an almanac and a journal and, some, and a compass to navigate his sailboat, circumnavigate the whole way around the world with just the primitive things that he had available to him. He wanted to be the first to do that. So in October of 2019, gets on a sailboat, leaves Victoria, British Columbia on a sailboat to do this. He didn't know it at the time, nor did anybody else who saw him leave. He would be on that sailboat for the next eight, nine, ten months and arrive back in British Columbia around late July of 2020. <laughs> at that point, he didn't know what a pandemic was, what social distancing meant, what it meant to bend the curve, what it meant to be vaccinated. He didn't have any clue about wearing a mask. He didn't have one. He pulls into port, and even though he had gone through storms and weather problems and sleepless nights and all of the challenges of sailing across the globe that entire period, he pulls in and tells his story, and the newspaper called him the safest person in the world. All because he avoided a vaccine. I'm sorry, avoided a pandemic. <laughs> sorry. Somebody online just cut off the video. Sorry. All because he avoided a pandemic, he was the safest person in the world. I disagree. I don't think so. Safest person in the world is the one who stands in the will of God 100% of the time. That's not us. But we know the one who is. His name is Jesus. And the one who stood against the world and overcame it is ready to help you overcome it as well. But you have to trust him to be your provider. You've got to seek him to be your permitter. You've got to follow him to be your protector. So today, I'm challenging you for 2022 to travel with Jesus instead of the temptations around you. I don't know what you wrote on your piece of paper. Maybe you need to take a few minutes and do that right now. But in a minute, I'm just going to pause the service we have four tables with water 
and sticks at them. We call this thought burning. Do it once a year. It's a way to let go of some things that have been plaguing our life or holding us back or hurting ourselves or Satan has been using to break us down. And this is your chance to write those things that you want to change on that piece of paper. And then as the music is playing, I encourage you to take the time personally to go to one of these tables and dissolve that as symbolically asking Jesus to cleanse you of those things that you want to get rid of. This is just between you and him. And then you can go back to your seats and take communion at your leisure when you're ready to remember that it's his body and his blood that washes you clean of not only the things you've sinned against him in the past, but it's the sacrifice of the cross that pays for your present and future as well. You can have that holy moment with him right now. If you're watching at home, I encourage you to do the same. Even pause the video, take a piece of paper, burn it in a bowl or burn it outside someplace safe as a way of symbolically letting go of those things that are holding you back. Then after you're done, I'll give you plenty of time for this. After you're done, I'll close the service and we'll finish up today. Jesus, thank you for this story, this intersection that you had with Satan himself. You did this to show us that you've overcome the world. And we fail all the time. You're faithful, we fail. Just like we sang about earlier today. But we can trust you. So I pray today that you will pour on your power in our lives to help us follow you closer, to trust you as our provider, our permitter, our protector, and to live this year for you instead of ourselves. As we symbolically put these pieces of paper and water and dissolve them away, I pray you dissolve that sin and that temptation away in our lives. Help us to overcome the way you did. Help us to follow you with our whole hearts this year so that we can remain safe in the arms of your love. Thank you for this time. We praise you for the chance to be clean and made new again. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Journey Christian Church Podcast. If you would like to support us as we pursue God and love people one at a time, please consider a tax-deductible donation by visiting journeycc.net slash giving.